and we are back, season four. I am Jeremy. This is the Dirt by Breeder podcast. Welcome back. First one for the year. Very excited. This episode was recorded last year, but things just happened. We didn't get to fill it before the end of the year, so here we go. Neil Price, an absolute legend in the trials world. Dabbles in the hard enduro, which is very exciting. And we were very lucky to sit down with him at his shop in Kelmscott, Western Australia, to talk all things dirt bikes, past, present, and future. Absolute ripper bloke. Go check out Neil on social media, because he does so much for the sport in WA. I could not believe how big trials is over there, and it's exciting to see it continue to grow, as well as the hard enduro scene over there. So make sure you go check out the West Australian hard enduro series and all Neil Price's stuff that we have linked in our social media accounts. We hope you enjoyed your Christmas. It was a good break for us. This year does look very exciting. Lots of racing on across the entire board. Hard enduro. We have this super enduro coming online. The GNCCs, the four days over in WA, and of course the off-road things. There is a swag of big names from overseas coming over as well. Just a couple like Graham Jarvis, Woo-hoo! Mario Roman, Woo! So it's going to be a very exciting year for training and potentially some really cracker interviews. We've already mentioned though, I am in May going on a massive charity ride and I'm really asking, I've kind of given everyone a bit of a reprieve over Chrissy because we're busy and we're drunk, but I really love to see some donations come in. We don't really ask so much and we give out so much to you in competitions and with sponsorship and things like that. All I'm asking for is some money to support something that's really close to me and uh, and you guys get to be a part of a, of a really cool event taking place in May. So check out 10 Deserts for Tory. Go just throw a couple of bucks in there. Not only do you donate to a cause that is really close to me and is a 100% tax deductible, mind you, you'll also get my spot tracker and you'll be able to follow us on our venture. Well, me, myself and I. And live vicariously through me. So go check it out. Share it with your mates. Come on. I'm going to keep pushing it until it happens. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's as I said, it's just something that's uh, it's good for you, good for us, and good for Tori. Any support is greatly appreciated. Haven't got a catchphrase yet, so not too sure what I'm gonna, how I'm going to end these episodes. But if you've got something, send it to me. Because at the moment, it's like, stay upright or something along those lines. I don't really like it. So I'm just going to say, like, clean your air filter. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> so send in your ideas for a catchphrase for the year because uh, I haven't got anything. And uh, yeah, till next episode, enjoy. Welcome to season four of the Dirt by Breeder podcast. My name is Jeremy and alongside my co-host Alex, we bring you stories from the Australian off-road motorcycle scene. Everything from super enduro, hard enduro, trials, flat track and traditional off-road racing We bring it to you all in one of the most packed podcasts you will find. Make sure you go back and check out our other seasons for some awesome content. We will continue to bring you amazing guests throughout the year. You also can get involved by reaching out to the podcast, sending us messages on our Instagram and Facebook. We also have a YouTube. You can go check out some cool videos and vlogs from our time as a podcast. As I said, this is season four, so we're very excited about where we are and where we're going. So make sure you keep sending in your messages. And remember, we are very passionate about what we do and so are the guests as there are bad words that pop up every now and then. So whether you're working on your bike in the shed or sitting in the car on the way to work or an event, enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Welcome to Dirt by Breeder Podcast. We are here in Perth with Ash uh, after a Kalgoorlie desert race. Ash, how has your couple of days in Perth been so far? It's been great. It's been uh, a little bit cooler than it was in the desert. Oh, and yeah. uh, thankful of not 
having any red dust to have to, to deal with. I know, so. it's, it's been nice not having to camp the last couple of nights, had yeah, a shower and a bed and things like that. It's been good, definitely, uh, yeah, just cooler here, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. And so we found our way our way to my old stomping ground, Kelmscott, uh, <laughs> to find uh, one of arguably Australia's best trials riders, Neil Price. How are you, my friend? Good, mate, yourself? Very good, thank you are so you, much for having us here. Are you enjoying being back in the hood? Absolutely. I, um, I, I walked past a couple of kids, six, uh, some tattoos on their wrists, and I was like, you know what? I remember these kids. What, six, one, double, two? Yeah, that's Byford, isn't it? Yeah. Six, I, where Kelm's got? Six, uh, six triple, triple one. one. That's yeah, what I was six, trying to remember. Six, yeah. triple one. Right. I even took these two by my high school, Kelmy High. And, oh, really? Yeah. Hey, were you Kelmy? Yeah, Kelm's oh, High. Oh, serious? Yeah, yeah. Man, Class that's scary. 2001 to 2003. Oh, really? Mm, yeah, we were. I left. I was <laughs> class of 98. Oh, way right before me. Finished. Yeah, way yeah. before me, mate. What are you trying to say? Well, you probably had the good years before the filth came through, it, like us. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty good school, though. It was pretty cool, I reckon. Yep, yeah. It was pretty very, crazy, but good. Very good. But I uh, know we managed to hear it to your shop, um, which is fantastic, mate. It, yeah. It's really hard to believe. Like, we've been speaking to Ash and Jay about it. Like, it's hard to feel like it's, a, it's an actual motorbike store. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really what we wanted it to be. Um, you know, we're not. We're trolls riders. Mm. I mean, I haven't graced a motorcycle store in, I reckon, thirty years. I can't remember the last time I went to a motorcycle store because bike shops don't have what trolls riders need. Yeah, of course. So, um, and we we wanted to do something that was kind of us and a place where the community wants to come along and enjoy themselves and and hang out. And we wanted it to be somewhere you can kind of really display the sport and yep. and show it off and. And, um, yeah, it's come up really good, particularly considering it's all on the bones of our butt making it happen. <laughs> well, as most things are, all good things are too as well. But it yeah. kind of feels more like, like it's, it's more of a social kind of meeting place. You've got these couches, you've kind of got a corner for, like, there's trials videos and DVDs and stuff yeah. in the corner. There's heaps of memorabilia we, on the wall. That's it. We pulled out, a, like, heap of memorabilia and things. Like, there's my um, Trial of Nations bottle of wine and trial... Trial of Nations helmets all around. We've got um, um, Albert Cabastani's um, TDN jacket, so the Spanish Federation jacket. That's and cool. I've got Venezuelan jackets, um, Irish jackets. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. The Irish team. <laughs> um, shout out to the Irish TDN team. They're always a good bunch. Yep. Um, and um, so, yeah, we wanted to get all that stuff that's sitting in people's garages <laughs> and sheds and, you know, bring it out and put it on display and give Trolls riders a, a place to kind of congregate. Well, and I also saw they've got a jersey over there with like Tim Coleman, Christy McKinnon, like all these signatures on it when Phil Whittle yeah. was running the team. Like, yeah, some well, really Phil cool still stuff. Is running well, he's still running the team. Yeah. Like, it was, it's just really cool to see that in one place because you're right, I, I don't really know any of any shops and you today inform me this is yeah. the only dedicated trial shop, shop yeah. in Australia, which is bizarre. That, and it's kind of crazy that it's in Perth yeah. in many ways. All People places. Like, Perth? What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, it's been growing, the sport's been growing really well here in Perth. It's really healthy. Um, and we've been, we're getting like 90-odd um, riders to club events now as a regular thing, That's which amazing. is just, in the sport of trials, it's just unheard of, particularly Perth. And so know. what's the age demographic as well of these 90 people? Oh, we've got all sorts. Like, it literally is the full spectrum um, our oldest rider is probably um, 75, 76, something yep. like that, um, down to our youngest who are probably around four, something like that's, that. That's awesome. So that's really what we, you want. There's always about you know seven or eight kids running around on balance bikes and then there's yeah. another seven or eight who are actually competing and then there's a few who are that higher level who are kind of you know genuinely riding on their own. 
um, you know, riding the grades like trial four, trial five yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's really going well at the moment. And that's what you really want in the sport. You don't just want, like, you know, your whole club to be, you know, 25 and above because that's kind of not the future of the sport, which is why you, you got it to where it is now. Yeah, well, we, we literally had that maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. It was, um, there was a lot of older single blokes rocking up. Like, mm. the families were not turning up. It was literally, you know, 60-year-old men, 50-year-old men, which, which is all great, but, you know, they're older. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not going to be here as long. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But more importantly, they're not bringing their kids with them and they're not bringing their partner and the family. Yeah. And um, like we said, if, you, if we're going to attract people to the sport, we want to bring in a whole family and then mum and dad get active in the club and then the kids grow from there and then it kind of sets off a generational thing. And... And we find that due to the nature of trials, this, and the enduro is very similar as well, that the, the nature of the community is really good. Mm. And a lot of people want their kids to grow, grow up in that sort of club environment. So we find people, even if they leave the sport, when they have kids, they kind of come back to trials afterwards. So, yeah. No, and that, I mean, that's, uh, that's one thing you do find in the motorcycling scene. Like we've just hung out with the desert rats for the last couple of weeks, well, like last week, and you know, it's it's definitely a community that you want to be a part of. It's really it's a great community. This is the first time Ash has ever seen the desert rats out there, and you yeah. know, she, even she felt really kind of welcomed and 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 yeah. safe there, which was really cool. And I could yep. imagine the trials would be exactly the same. Yeah, it is very much so. Um, I was going to say safe out of the Fink. I've heard it's some. Um, <laughs> well, I've no, this, this is in Kalgoorlie, not oh, Fink. Oh, Kalgoorlie. Kalgoorlie, sorry. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Which is definitely Excuse not very really safe, but it's, uh, <laughs> it was definitely was a cool place say, to be. Yeah, I see all the burnouts and stuff afterwards. I thought it was a little more like Bathurst back of the hill sort of thing. <laughs> Pretty much it is, but you feel safe at the, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's out of control, well, but safe. I think the thing is, is that motorcyclists across the board, they're so genuine. Like, doesn't matter where you go, what sport they're in. You, know, you get your adversarial pockets where it's oh, yeah. a little more of, you know, I'm going to beat that person. Mm. But as a rule, we all, you know, everywhere I've been in the world, you meet people and they're like, oh, you ride. And yeah. then, you know, it just brings everyone together. Well, I mean, that's legitimately how the three of us are all here. We're all here because of that's the right. dirt bikes. Yeah. You know, Jaden is great on, on, on videoing it and bringing it to... To yep. film and, and Ash is obviously loving it as well and, and bringing yeah. the stories out. So that's how we're here, and then that's why we meet characters like yourself and we drive all the way to Perth to, to talk about dirt bikes. You know, it is. Not, I mean, I wouldn't come here to see I my mean, mum. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's got nothing her, to do with mum, does it? No, nothing Lord, no, I mean, no. What, no. I mean, in all reality, what idiot would drive all the way across the country mm. just for bikes? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then crash, <laughs> then, then break down on the side of the hill and drag. Every other oh, idiot across the hill. Yeah, don't who even, would do that? Yeah, who? I mean, on honestly, I mean, we we honestly drive across every year. Yeah. Um, for the Aussie title, we've done every Aussie titles as a like family. I've missed one, I think, but since 1996. Every year. Every year, and I think it's we've incredible. only flown. We've only flown twice. So the the country, um, each state shares the national title. So mm. they'll be they'll it takes seven years for it to come back around to your state. Um, so we've literally done that many trips across the Nullarbor. It's just crazy. I would see way more stickers on signs, mate. That's what you should be doing. Like every year, nah, put another sticker. We're past that. We just get in the car and make it happen. <laughs> it's literally three drivers. You know, you've got 
you know time to use the ablutions yep. whilst you're, while the car's being filled. Yep. And the moment it's full and paid, it's going again. So. That's, I think that's how we, we did it. I think we, we only had one stop across the entire way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. and that was at Bunder Cliffs just so we could get some cool content. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was it. Did you, you didn't stop at Cocklebitty Caves or anything like that? Or? No, well, we did not stop anywhere, mate. We yep. were on a one-way trip to get here. That yeah. was it. One, one night, and that night was only, what, like three hours? I think we stopped like three hours. Oh, really? Out of sleep. Pulled the bike out to get some sick footage in the morning and then just kept going. And then kept going. Yeah, there was, there was no stop. I've always got two places I stop. One is Penong. That's where we. That's the point where we stop for a shower when we're heading. It's got brilliant showers on, all the way across the Nullarbor. It's probably the best. Um, Kaiguna has epic roadhouse food. There's one <laughs> of the guys there is Need to take unreal. Notes here. Yeah, taking notes here. <laughs> and then Kimber for the chips. Kimbo used to make the best chips well, all the way go. across the Nullarbor. See, so. we, were, we were talking about doing a, a food vlog across Australia. <laughs> yeah. like, and so now you've got, we, uh, all we stopped at, oh. like, border town for a shower. And then, oh, and then you, and then you guys had a horrible burger. At, where's the place where the satellite crashed? What's that called? Oh, um, you know what? Baladonia. Baladonia. Yeah, we stopped Baladonia. there for what has to be the worst chicken burger I think oh, really? these oh. two ever had. Yeah, yeah. they... They look like they got salmonella before Any- they even ate it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, on the, at a roadhouse, anything chicken or it's, that's got cheese in it, like a cheese sausage or something, I'm just like... I, or fish. My brain... Like, who's having fish and chips in the middle of the Nullarbor, you know? Oh, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's that much fish in it, to be honest. Yeah, but you, if you can't... I'm you assuming. Don't I'm, I don't take it, though. I don't, I don't, do you risk it? No, nah, I don't risk it. There's still like 20 hours of driving and these idiots have chicken. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is going to end up bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, this, this, this well, at least there's plenty of space out there. You know, The only problem is there's not a lot of cover, is there? <laughs> or time. Like, yeah, I wasn't going to be holding on. You just get it out and get done. Man, my brother got crook one time when we were travelling across with the family and he was really um, like hallucinating and getting all freaked out in the middle of the night. And he woke up. Everyone had fallen asleep and he woke up and he started sleepwalking. And we were on the Madura Pass, like down on the flats. Yeah. Just camped up in the bush. And he got out of the caravan, just started walking into the bush. Whoa. And my mum just woke up because she heard the door. And then she's like, whoa, if I didn't wake up at that moment. He's off. He would have walked and not stopped in his what? delirious state, you know. Was he a regular sleepwalker? No, no, he was just really crook. Like, wow. chronically crook. Imagine so. you just found him in Adelaide. Just like, he just beat you across there somehow. <laughs> Hitchhiked his way. Anyway, we got off topic. Anyway, yeah, we got yeah. off topic. Sorry, I do that. <laughs> that's all right. We like, we like to waffle. Um, let's go to the start. Like, we've already interviewed you and we'll release that interview after this one because I think that was a really cool one at Kosciuszko with you and... You and yep. Darren, which was really fun. We yeah. had a lot of, I think we had more fun than we actually interviewed. Probably too much fun, wasn't Way it? Way too much fun. Uh, but let, let's, let's just focus on Neil on this one. How did Neil get onto bikes? How did I get into bikes? Because mm. um, of that silly old bugger up there. Um, Dad, Dad was... Um, I think I actually told you this story mm-hmm. on the thing. Dad was um, always wanting to ride bikes. And when he, was, when he was young, Grandma was really staunch, like really staunch. And wouldn't let him ride bikes at all. Um, and then she was also really religious. So dad was in the um, YMCA, the youth kids thing. Yep. And they actually ran a mini bike series where they had QA50s or QZs or whatever they were at the time. Um, and they used they ran this series where they, they had like a state championship and they, you know, all the kids could race and didn't cost anything to enter. So dad jumped on that and rode that, did really well. Um, I think he even won it, to be honest. I can't remember. But he was just chomping to ride bikes. Yeah. Um, and he used to buy magazines and watch the ma- look, look at the magazines. And he used to always read the trials articles. 
and he was always interested in trials. And then his first job with a guy called Nigel Wright, who owned a caravan mob, um, and he sent Dad down the back to get something from the shed, and he opened the door, and there was a TY-175, one of them, literally that bike there, All right. um, sitting in the shed. Not that particular one. But that but model. That model. Yeah, right. And, um, and he said to Nigel, he was like, that's a TY-175, it's a trials bike. And Nigel was like, how'd you know that? Mm. He said, oh, I love the idea of trials. And he said, well... I'm a member of the club. We're doing a coaching session this weekend. Do you want to come join in? So, and that kicked it off. And then, wow, that was it. I think that year or the next year, I was born. And then, Dad basically beat trials into me. <laughs> so it's just you know, if you didn't ride, you got beaten up. <laughs> with the trials bike too. <laughs> no, he, yeah, yeah. He just hit you with the trials bike until you like it. But me, me and my brothers from there, because Dad rode trials, and yeah. you're in the club, and the club was epic, and and we literally grew up where we had the nationals this year at immediate medals like we were there all every weekend um that's what awesome era community. was this by the way like this 81 80s, 81 yeah right. so i was born 81 and um <clears throat> that was the year we started and then from there you know as kids we just tried to emulate the trials riders so mm. we used to get our pushies and we used to stack all sorts of crap up in the backyard and ride over it and there was desks and tires and planks and bricks <laughs> and Poor mum, I don't know how she ever put up with it. And then we would go, um, we'd go down to Pit Stop uh, Motorsport Store, which is the only video store, and we'd buy um, videos of um, like Steve Collie and that, the guys from England. And friends out in England used to send out videos yeah. of Kickstart and stuff like that. And and they used to send it out to Perth, and everyone would share the videos round. Like that's why we've got those videos yeah. there, because we literally used to share them round and. Well, Dest destroy them. Well, that's what going to be one of the questions. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're talking about the 80s and the 90s. Like, that was when, mo like, especially American motocross was really starting to grow as well. Yeah, yeah. How can that influence never came into your writing? Is it just because you were never exposed to it? I'm, I don't, to be honest, I, you had exposure to it. Like, at home, it was trials, trials, trials the whole way. Yeah. But there was always an allure for me to trials. Like, yeah. I've never been a fast rider like yeah don't get me wrong we me and my brothers you get us together and dad dad's the worst um <laughs> you get us if the four of us are there and and we take off together it's all on for young and old like we're banging bars and pushing each other into trees and everything goes and yeah. we'll we'll race and i do enjoy racing and the high speed stuff occasionally yep but it's just never i don't know just never 100 percent been and my so even as a kid because like as i said before like it, it was quite big back then in the year especially in the 90s yeah. motocross was huge it was enormous and i like, mean when crusty demons of dirt come yeah. out oh, holy shit like it just blew your mind took over everything at school yeah and the, the best thing was when i was at high school um they first came to perth oh, and so they man. wanted they wanted trials riders to do a trials demo there so in high school, like the year year after Krusty came out and they're coming to Perth to do a show and I was riding with them and that's where we got that Fox jersey signed by all the guys. Yeah. Just like, but even still then, I'd go out trail riding with mates and I'm like, I just want to ride over that log and yeah, up that creek line. That's so cool. Yeah, I guess that's where they, we would, probably would have lost a lot of trials riders too because they would have seen these kind of things and they go fast or yeah. kind of get influenced by the motocross or the crusties and they, they move away from it. Well, we have. And, and trials itself, because it's been so badly marketed as a sport, in mm. my opinion, um, really badly marketed and supported really because, you know, the motorcycling structure is a federated thing, you know, yeah. and, you know, people are elected onto committees and whatnot and so the bigger sports always get the bigger say and yeah. they get the bigger funding and but all at the same time the trials 
um, the sport of trials was never really promoted in, at all, really. It's never no. been marketed by anyone. Um, so we, we've lost a lot of talent over the decades, like so much talent. And hard enduro as well, in some ways, I think, has actually had a, a negative net outcome. So there's some positive aspects to hard enduro. It's raised the profile of the sport and all that. Um, but it's also taken a lot of talent. Um, freestyle trials at one point was getting really popular. Um, and we lost a heap of talent to that. Everyone went off and did backflips and stuff and taken cool videos. And, and we lost kids in the sport as, su mm. as such. Um, and when you lose, because trials is so technical, when you lose one rider, you lose probably 10 years of development. You know, there's right, 10 years okay, of work yeah. that goes into that kid. And if the kid goes and, you know, go do whatever they want in life, but when they leave, um, you lose that 10 years of development and the kid behind them doesn't have someone who's a stepping stone up for them or yeah. a younger kid to aspire to. And that's why you've got silly old me at 40, 41 years of age and I'm still winning the state championship. Um, and, and it's not because I'm particularly good, it's because we've lost talent over the years. So Yeah, I mean, you're right. I guess if you look at like the, the let's just say for you get the hard enduro scene, you get a lot of trolls guys come over to, yeah. the, to the hard enduro. I mean, like Johnny Walker, things like that yeah. have come Taddy, over. Taddy, Johnny. Um, Billy wasn't, was he? Billy. Yeah, Billy, Billy was a trolls was, Billy yeah. was, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, um, literally... Paul Terez, there's oh, Paul, yeah. heaps of them. Yeah. And if they and in Australia, you've got like um, Ruben, Ruben yeah. Chadwick, yes. Tim Coleman, things like that. Yeah. Who are just and if they weren't, if they weren't a pure trials rider before they started hard enduro, they they've, um, particularly in England, so many of them start in trials. Like in England, Jarvis trials and yeah, Graham of course. <laughs> I don't know why I've um, got him. Um, and in many ways, hard enduro saved a lot of riders' careers in many ways too. Because that, was, that was the flip side of there's it, There's no yeah. money in trials, so good on them. They've gone and earned some decent coin. and, and um, Especially in Australia too. Like, I mean, that's what, you know, Tim Coleman and things like that have had to yeah. adapt to survive and they've gone into the hard enduro stuff yes. so they can actually make money and, 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 and do this for a living. Exactly, exactly that. I mean, particularly at the world level, those guys have, you know, you're like Graham's spent decades of his life riding you know mm. and i don't i'm just assuming here i don't know but to all, i imagine he didn't make much money until he got into hard enduro no so, we'll, um, we'll have the profile that he does now i mean oh, it, yeah, it'd be hard totally. to say because you've got like tony bow and things like that who have a big profile but that's because of social media and things you know. yeah the top boys the top couple of guys they're earning a good living there's mm, no but, question about that but i guess you know jarvis wouldn't be on the money he is if you know he didn't yeah come across yeah, that's it so then, okay, then that's it. We're, we're in the 80s. You, you've stuck with trials. How did that progression go for you? Was it, were you quite quick to progress? Well, initially, I didn't actually ride trials. So a um, couple more kids come along, like events, competitions, I mean. Mum um, and Dad had a couple more kids. Um, my brothers, Tim and Paul, who were also exceptionally good riders themselves. And then Mum, you know, was sick of carrying kids around for a while, so around dragging around trials so we actually had a break and it wasn't till i was 12 that i started competition right okay were um, you still riding i was still riding heaps still yeah. building stuff and riding over on our push bikes and and all that sort of thing and then i started a competition and there wasn't any other kids really it was just me and maybe two or three others at the most so so what made you go back into competition what's that what made you go back to the competition um dad just asked me he's like do you want to actually you know do trials comps like you know, if you want to do it, I'll support you and we'll get a bike and we'll go have a look. So we had, I had a TY80. My uncle Pete actually drove all the way out to Kalgoorlie 
um, bought it off the Morris family. Do you know um, Grant Morris? He's the um, Gas Gas brand ambassador in Australia. Gas Gas brand manager for Trials in Australia. Okay, no, no. And also for WA and that on the enduro side. But um, Grant's family, uh, Grant was like seven times WA state champ and he was the guy that I was aspiring to to catch up to. And um, and when I was an expert in catching through. Um, But we bought the TY80 off his family. So it had been through his um, three siblings and Mm -hmm. himself. And my uncle went and bought that bike um, and Dad said, "Hey, do you want to? You've got a trials bike now. Do you want to have a go at trials?" So we went along and never looked back from that. Really? And, and yeah. we, as I said, were you able to kind of get to a level quick, or did it take you a while to well, progress? I guess I guess I got to a level quick because mm-hmm. um, there wasn't a great deal of other kids, um, and I really loved it. So I progressed into C grade. I think I spent I did like a year in junior and then two years in C grade because that's the formative year, the, the blue line that we have now, which is trial four, um, is a really formative um, period because that's when you're riding against all the wily old buggers who are kind of coming back down from the top grades. Right, okay. And those guys really challenge you because it's the fundamentals there. So I spent two years in C grade and then I went to B grade and spent a year or part of a year in B and then stepped up to A grade, the top the top class at the time in Perth. And then I put I um, set my sights on, you know, going to nationals. I think it was, yeah, '96. I was about I think I was 15, turning 16 that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was riding against Dylan Reese. He was he was the you know Dylan, don't you? Yep. Dylan was the um, top junior at the time. I can't remember who was second in that. One of the guys from Queensland. Um, but Dylan was like a whole year older than me on. Right by the calendar year, how it lays out. And I got third in that. And that really inspired me to step up from that. So how do you progress? Like for people who don't know trials, and I said, I'm only kind of new to learning about kind of the process of it. How do you step up through trials? Well, as in like... The levels. Through right? the levels? Yeah, through the levels. So you go through this... Tr- now we've changed all the grade names. It's trial one, trial two, trial three, four, and down to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you- there's burrito. All the way down yeah, the all, <laughs> all the way down, all the, way the, bottom. Down the bottom. That's where we will be. And then in, and that's basically all the grades you have. And the yeah. top grade in Australia is is trial one. Mm-hmm. Used to be called expert open solo. Um, and then from there, if you want to keep progressing, you've got to go to Europe. Yeah, you've really got to step so up. So how do you step up? As in training and practicing. Well, like, no, even it's, even can you just enter trial one? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, so there's our no events are totally open. Right. So you so can literally turn, turn up, up and, as trial and one. Trial one. Yeah. Oh right. I thought that you, like you got like a license before you could go to the next yeah, one. You, you've got to get a license overall. You know, you yeah, may yeah. license. Yeah, but, but in trials, no, nah, it's not. There's no requirement to like get endorsements and step up the grades huh. because well, trial one here I come. Yeah, <laughs> by all means. And we we often joke to people going, hey just enter the highest grade because there's very few people in the top grades. So you're guaranteed, sometimes you're guaranteed a podium in a club event. Oh, that would be the way <laughs> to do it. Could be you your only chance, Jeremy. Take, be the only chance I'll ever get, yeah. Take fives in every section and you'll still be on the podium. I have, yeah. Um, because, <laughs> down everywhere. because trials is so, um, it's so skill-based and so skill-focused and power is irrelevant. Like it doesn't matter how much power you have. Like you can have the most powerful bike in the world mm. And it's completely irrelevant because if you can't put it to the ground, it's a waste of time. It's yeah, just a waste of, of energy. Yeah. Um, so it's really, because it's so fundamentally about controlling the bike, um, it also kind of creates quite a safe environment. It's kind of like gymnastics in a way where it looks crazy dangerous, but the, the people who are doing it have spent so much time refining and building and 
that it is so controlled in many ways. I mean, you're right. Like you, people probably think, oh, how, how could it be dangerous? But then you start looking at. I remember when the boys went and watched like Carl Middleton mm. jump rocks and, and say it's Christian McKinnon jump yeah. these massive ledges that were a good meter and higher higher than they are. They can just go from a standing yeah. seal and jump to the top Straight of them. Up. It's absolutely crazy, and it, it it just doesn't seem physically possible. It's it's very different. It's and it spins me out because I've had friends who are M- MX riders. And um, one good mate of ours, and he's friends with, you know, Josh Sheen and all yep. those guys. Um, and we're out there one day watching um, all that crew riding on at Floppy's place in um, Beverly that he used to have. And I'm watching him going, you guys are mad. And one of our mates did that in trials. And I'd watch him jump a 100-foot double. And I'm like, you're crazy. Like, yeah. I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even attempt it, you know. But then we'd go trials ride. And there was a big hill climb at Jaredale. And he wouldn't attempt that hill climb. And I'm like, what are you worried about? Like, it's not that bad. If you don't make it, you just fall yeah. to your side and skid down the hill. When you're, you know, 30, 40 foot in the air, there's no, you know, there's no denying gravity. No, it <laughs> to would, me, that's scarier. Well, it's actually funny saying that because we were at, obviously in Kalgoorlie and there was, a, there was a part of the race. We kind of come down a bit of a hill and then we turn and, and go along a lake. And yep. Miles, a good friend of ours who does hard enduro, we were together and we kind of come down the hill and you look on the other side and there's a, there's a, there's a gnarly, sketchy hill climb and yeah. in our helmets you can hear us just going, yes! Because <laughs> we think we're about to nail this hill yeah. and it ends up returning. So we got back to camp and we're talking about it. We're like, and well, who have we got that yeah, hill? And we were talking to the other guys like, man, you can give me 500 bucks to go up that hill. And these oh, boys really? are doing like 160, 170 across yeah, a lake. absolutely pinned. But they would not go up this little sketchy hill. They would not climb Wouldn't at all. Wouldn't climb, yeah. It's, it's, so it is really funny, that, that kind of I'm, perception I'm sure, of fear. I'm sure you would desensitise to it if you're in that. If, yeah. if, you know, if you're immersed in it, I'm sure we'd all adapt and... And you know, grow with it. I'm mm. sure, but um, but yeah, I just look at the sheer physique. Because we used to do all the Perth motorcycle and scooter shows, and we do shows with the freestyle boys, and you'd watch them over clear jumps, and I just think, oh, under clear. You know, when it goes wrong, and you just think, oh man, stuck, stick that. Yeah, and I think Harry Bink and someone did a triple backflip last night at the. Oh, I did see that. Uh, the yeah, Nitro Games, and I looked at that, and I was like, you can f- jam that up your ass. Like, well, didn't Josh and Travis say it was? Too much. They'd, yeah, yeah. They don't want don't want to do it again. Like, Something I like totally that. understand. Like three backflips. Yeah. Like, nah, nah. <laughs> Some will do a fourth though. Some Someone trials idiot will probably do a fourth just to prove us yeah. all wrong. I mean, yeah. I've, I mean, I've done backflips on trials bikes. That's not a. That's not too bad actually. That's because you're only. That's the best brag I think I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Oh, not that bad. Or you're just off the ground on the bike, seventy kilos, and yeah, it's still the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, like it blew me away how hard it was to push through the fear barrier to do it. Mm. Like you literally rode into it and you'd go up the ramp and as soon as the bike goes like that, your brain just goes, that's it, I'm out of here. You know, literally like Homer Simpson's head in the, in the cartoons. Like, that's it, I'm out. But when you bail, you kind of, because it's so low and everything, mm. you step over the handlebars like as if you've gone over the bars, which for me is a very fluent action. I've done that quite a few times <laughs> in my life. Um, and then you just end up, it stops the bike, stops rotating and then you rotate more so you end up landing on your feet on those really small jumps most of the time and then you just kind of walk down the down ramp and that's what my experience of it so it was kind of actually you know you're not that high up so mm. you don't really get things no you're not selling it to me at all man like, <laughs> that, that, not one part of that i was like that sounds man, like a good you, idea you want to see my wife the f- I, on the worst crash i had she literally pulled into the driveway and she's like 
freaked out at the moment. She's like, that's it. I'm not watching. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't been tempted at all to get involved or it's not yeah, her thing. Yeah, she rides now. Yeah. Oh. Jess, Jess and both my girls, um, Charlotte and Audrey, they all, all three of them ride. So we'd been together, what is it? I think it was 13 years we'd been together at the time when she finally decided to have a go on a trials bike. Wow. And she loved it, like mm. absolutely loved it. And because, you know, you don't want to be that partner that pushes what you like onto your, yeah. your kids and your wife and your family. Um, so I never pushed it at all. And she wanted to ride and she's loving it. And we've got like... Um, probably about 10 women at the moment in Perth who are just really? having a ball, like that's, really having a ball. That's great numbers. Um, mm. Really good numbers, yeah. yeah. And and how how much they're enjoying it and putting the effort into it is just mind-blowing. So. Yeah, I mean, it's always cool, once again, to see females doing things. I mean, you've got Christy McKinnon, obviously, who's Christy's arguably, a legend. arguably one of... Probably one have of you the done a show with Christy? Yeah, we have. Yeah. If you listen, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Arguably I've probably one of the it, most down-to-earth girls you'll ever meet. Like, but, like, she's also, a legend. Like, if you looked at her resume of, of the things she's done, probably one of the best writers Australia's ever had. Ever produced, Like, yeah. in any discipline. Because she has done so much. So much. And but, across multiple disciplines yeah. for so long. I think she just did the... I think it's... Or I think Dungog. I think the Enduro Cross. Oh, really? That was yeah, just on the yeah, weekend. She came second in that. Um, she, Chrissy always likes getting good shots of her like laying down in the mud and stuff mm-hmm. um, and full centrefold looking yeah, photos yeah, totally. and she, I'd seen that one thing but yeah absolutely amazing rider like, but as I said she's so just been so cool for, for the sport yeah. for girls to be able to look up to because and, and you've had other amazing girls as well all yes. through it's pretty strong Charles. on the East Coast there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yep. Charles is quite good over I that mean, way. The, the, girls, the girls community on the East Coast I mean, I'm yeah. only, I don't, I really only get exposed to Perth, but it looks like there's a really it's good... getting there. I'm glad I you think. don't expose yourself to the East Coast, mate. We're not ready for that kind of stuff yet. <laughs> it is Cal Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's definitely getting there. I know amongst my own friends, you know, we all ride hard enduro, but, you know, they're now buying trials bikes and oh, going yes. to more training days. And, oh, and, and with that, sorry, I did mean just like motorcycycling in general, not oh, just yeah. trials. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the hard enduro scene is quite strong at the moment, isn't it? It is, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah there's yeah, more things is, which happening. Which is super cool. Yeah. It's good for sport, but it's also, you know, you'd, you'd look at a hard enduro race and go, oh, that's that's for the boys. Like, you need to be strong or fit or whatever. Yes. But the, there's girls out there absolutely showing that you don't need that at all. Yeah. Oh, well, the thing is, is that, and this is why we've always kind of promoted, I mean, we do trials, that's our thing, and we promote the sport and, and do all that. But fundamentally, for any person... Riding is so good for the person. Mm. Like, it's so good for you. You know, you've got to rise to the challenge. You've got to be responsible and get the bike organised. Like, it just mm. builds good habits. And, and, it, and it builds such a sense of... Um, oh, what's the word for it? Such a sense of value in what you're doing, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. And it's, it's fantastic. It gives you purpose. Mm. really gives you purpose. It's good for your soul. Yeah, it is. It yeah. totally is. Like, on a whole other level. And until, until you break it. Yeah, until, but, you know, your soul needs a bit of a kick every now and then. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Just like your ego, otherwise it gets too big and out of control. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're laying there in the red dirt and a oh, mouthful yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And a photographer's sticking his camera in your face. Just, <laughs> you're like, yeah, thanks, man. This is awesome. What is it? Have you ever watched, um, have you ever watched the movie Sing? No. no. You haven't seen that? There's the, anyway, there's a koala who's a promoter and, he, and there's a line he says in there. You've got to watch it. It's well worth it. Brilliant kids movie. Um, and he goes, what happens when you hit rock bottom? The only way is up, you know. Like, and it's hilarious in the context of the movie. But that's what you kind of get out of writing, you know. Yeah. It's like, damn, this is hard. But 
I can still push through it. And I guess for trials, like you're right, like it, trials is hard and you push through. But do you, out of all the disciplines you've rode, do you feel like when you accomplish something in trials, you actually feel more accomplished as a rider? I, I don't think you necessarily feel more accomplished. I think people are looking for different things. Like mm. with my coaching, this is something I've really focused on recently because I want to understand, I wanted to understand hard enduro and what people, why do people ride hard enduro? Like, yeah, we still don't know that. For me, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Like you, you watch these guys riding on their $17,000 bike, yep, no throwing idea. it across the rocks and they're like, don't know yeah. what you're talking about. They're dying <laughs> and they're like, this is fantastic. You know, and um, one thing I've found is that trials riders, we really like like the finesse and getting yeah. it perfect. The hard enduro guys are really o- wanting to overcome adversity and they're, they're wanting to, you know, ha- fight the slog, you know, kind of like a, a Tough mutter event or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what they're called now. Um, so you kind of, I think riders are looking for a different thing within the riding, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. I think the satisfaction you get out of them is the same. Yeah. Like, when I, I, for me personally, I get far more satisfaction out of riding a line that I've been trying and trying and trying when I finally get it perfect. And it, uh, that's a state of flow when you ride a section perfectly clean. Yeah. Um, is amazing. Like, for me, that's the greatest thing. That's absolutely the bomb. I mean, that would be the same for hard enduro. I think if you get a hill climb in one hit, like, you just can get the right gear, get the right body position, and you can just have that thing on the pipe all the way up. right. And it feels good. And then you talk to the desert guys, and it's when they can fly through the desert and hit a section of whoops really good and really fast, and you feel a nice flow. Yeah. That's another section. Then you obviously, motocross guys who, I don't know. They smash Motor- enough beer. Motocross, like if you could, I mean, I'm guessing because I'm, if you can stitch a whole lap together and yep. it's perfect, like every turn was right, every landing was bang yep. on. And you enduro know. guys just love getting good times and, and they yeah. feel they're comfortable on the bike. So, I, you know, we I all, can't speak for them all, but it's, there's definitely those little things. Yeah, we would all get, you know, essentially the same thing, just in slightly different ways. Mm. And so. so then, how did you then get overseas? Um, so when I when I was, you know rising up through the, the series, I'd, uh, through the grades, <clears throat> there was a lot of people in the club that would always tell you about, you know, English trials. And you would get copies of Trial and MX News for, sent over from England and you'd get those videos that I'd mentioned sent over from England. And there was Kickstart, you know, and you'd, you'd see all this cool stuff happening on the other side of the planet. And I was yeah. like, well, one day I've got to get there. Like, the Scottish Six Days is yeah, the biggest, you know, the, the most incredible trial and has the most tradition and everything behind it. Um, so I wanted to go to Europe, and then when we when I started seeing the European, tri- um, the World and European Trials Championships in the videos, um, I was like, man, that looks epic! I want to go over there and ride those, you know. And so Grant Morris was keen to go to England one year, and I wanted to go across. Actually, no, before that, I got picked on the Trial of Nations team, and Don Murray from Trial Central, um, he was he was going across for the TDN as well with Dylan Rees. And he rang me up, and Dylan and that uh, Dylan, sorry, Don and um, and his crew had gone across and done world championships years before. Right. And he's like, "You've got to go across to Europe. It's absolutely epic. Like it's unreal. And it, if you if you're going for the TDN, you're already there. Why not ride a couple of events beforehand?" And so, what is the TDN as well? The Trial of Nations. Yeah. So the MXDN, Motocross to Nations. Yeah. It's the same thing for trials. The yeah. World World Teams Championship, which is amazing. So I got picked on the team, and I was like, you know. Let's, if we're going over there to Italy, why not have a go at an Italian or well, European championship? Yeah. Had no idea what I was getting into. We went to a place called Canzo um, in the north of Italy, up near Lake Lecco, and 
from the moment I got there, I was just like, I am coming back here. Like, I, I, think, I, I think I spoke to Dad a couple of days later. No, when we got, off, got back off the plane, we're in the airport, and Mum and Dad are, like, greeting us there, and I'm like, I'm quitting my plumbing apprenticeship. I'm going back to Europe. <laughs> Straight away, I was like, no, nah, wow. I'm not going back to work. Stick that. I can do an apprenticeship later. You know, this is too good an opportunity to, to not dive into. You That's know? amazing. And it was insane. Like, I nearly died in that trial. It was just the hardest, craziest, scariest thing I'd ever ridden in my life. Really? And so, and so why was it such a big step up? Because in Australia, we were so isolated and we had no idea, particularly WA, the guys on the East Coast at least had the TDN riders going regularly. So mm-hmm. they got an idea of what the top level guys were like and they'd hear feedback from those riders. So the, the TDN was, is a really valuable thing for an isolated community because you can bring that knowledge and information and experience back. Yeah. Um, so when I went across, it was you hear the stories, but until you get there, you don't yeah, really truly know. Everything on camera doesn't look the same as well. Yeah. And and I was trying to develop my skills based off VHS tapes. So I'm trying to understand how to do it all by myself, um, and then sitting there and going pause, still advance, and watching a whole frame jump on the video and not knowing what happened in the middle. And, right. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's just mind blowing how much better it is. Mm. So you. You didn't know. And then when I got there, it was just such a, a um, trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, of course. Massive eye-opener. Yeah, well, my first... When I went back the next year, the first section that I rode at the European Championship in France, the rider in front of me actually um, cut his finger off in his brake disc. And hey, when, when you... He's, he cut the tip of his finger off. Um, Francesco Iolita. Um, how? What's that? How oh, this was doing? before we had to have disc guards on the front of the bikes. And just in the crash, like when you come tumbling back off a big rock, you can get tangled up in the bike. And that's why we have minders. Um, your minder's kind of fundamentally there to at least slow the bike down to give the rider a chance to get out of the way. Because there's nothing worse than being on the ground, knowing there's a bike above you coming down and you don't know where it is because you're looking at the ground. Um, and he just got his finger cut off. It's some, somehow his finger went in the disc and it knocked, knocked the end of his finger off. And Far out. They have start gates there because I was reading all the rules. Like in Australia, it's pretty casual. But over there, you've got a start gate. So the, the, the next rider in line rides into the start gate and you're not technically meant to pull out of that start gate. Once you're in, you're in and you have to wait until it's your mm-hmm. turn. So I rode into that and I'm like, all right, I'm st- this is my first section. So the very first part of the competition, like not ridden anything, and they close the section in front of me while they spend 10 minutes looking for his finger in amongst oh, the rocks. Man. So I'm like, I was absolutely packing my dax as it was. And then I'm, I'm like that on top of it. And the, the rock he crashed on was the one I was scared of, you know. Um, and my mate Darren something um, was over there with me. And he's like, you're right, dude. Let's just give it a crack. Let's, you know, just trying to G me up and get me through it. And, and then I you know, had a bash at it and scared the hell out of me. I crashed, had a massive crash off it. And then I got up and I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, that, that's all I needed. Just needed to get that out of my system and yeah. then rode woefully, come dead last by a long way, but had so much fun. That's amazing. That's so cool to, to have that kind of experience, but then also still got froth on it and want yeah, to keep going. want to keep going. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really, at that time, I think the Krusty crew had a lot to do with that. You just, you kind of wanted to push the adrenaline stuff as well, you know, mm. which there is a fair bit of in trials. It's, yeah, I mean, we've, I've watched a couple of, of, couple of them now and, 
yeah, there's some things that you go, you know, you look just at a mundane point of view, but like, oh, it's just a couple of rocks. But then when you see these guys lining up and they're yes. loading up their bikes and they're just looking at it, looking at it, you're just sitting there quite tense. You're like, holy shit. What's, what's the anticipation what's, what's of what's going to happen? Gonna happen? What's going to happen? And, what's, and then just... Nah. And sometimes it does go wrong. You know, it does happen at mm. times. So, I mean, even Tony um, fractured his back a couple of years ago. So even though he can't do anything else wrong, but <laughs> yeah, it never looks like that man could do anything wrong. <laughs> oh man, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've been—I remember riding with him when he was like 15, and it was just mind blowing. Then you're looking at him going, "Yeah, no one's going to stop you, mate." What a little freak! Yeah, completely. How was the female presence when you were attending these events? Like from when you started way back in the 80s, right up until like, how did you see the progression? Was there a specific? period in time where there was kind of a growth spurt and interest or yeah it's really cool that you've asked that because when when I grew up my very first state championship I was riding against a girl called Sarah Griffiths here in Perth and and um, Kirsty Morris also rode at the time and there was a couple of mums who rode at the time so from day dot I was always riding against women and when when we got to the point where like there was a women's class I was kind of like I don't get this. Like, why are they segregated? Like, yeah, it was, we, in trials, you ride against everyone. It's just the grading ability, mm-hmm. you know? So, and then when I went to Europe, um, I was riding against Leia Sands all the time. And Leia is just like, holy Next shit. Level. Yeah. Like Before incredible. she, people would recognise her in Dakar. Yeah. People probably didn't know much about her. They wouldn't in, have. In, no. in her past. And when, when her and Tony were, on the team together riding with one ponds and, and developing together they were just progressing so quickly and i don't believe i don't think i ever beat leia like we're always close wow she was always in front of me um so it's kind of it's for me it's always kind of been really normal to have women in amongst riding mm. um and then the standard in in wa we and i could really only speak to wa to be honest and then what i've seen in europe in europe there was there's always kind of been quite a strong women's scene um, there's, it's been there the whole time that I was there. Um, in the last probably seven, uh, the probably about 10, 12, well, actually, God, it's longer than that. Well, anyway, toward halfway through the period I used to spend in <laughs> Europe, whenever that was, um, you started to see it really grow and they got more and more women and it started to be pushed a lot more. Yeah. Um, so you, start, you really saw the growth of that period. Uh, there was probably the most marketing went into the women's riding. Um, a lot of the Norwegian girls at the time when I was there were the ones, the main ones pushing hard for it. There was yep. a really big following in Norway. Um, and then in Perth, trials participation across the board really dropped off for a period of time. And we've seen it drop off on, in every, you know, men's, women's, kids, sidecars, the whole lot. So it wasn't really, it wasn't really like women's dropped off. Right. Um, and then in recent years with all the promotion that's been occurring, we've seen an increase across the board and we're starting to really attract a lot more women. When we kicked off X-Trial, we, we kind of had a resurgence. We had quite a significant number of women come forth to come and want to ride trials and, and explore into it. Um, and we had a lot of families coming out as well. And um, like one family, the, the Wilsons, they come along with two of their daughters, which was fantastic. Yeah. And my girls are only really young at the time. But we've seen a, quite an influx in women at that period in time with that little bit of promotion. Because I think of all the disciplines, it really does suit women yeah. probably the most, to be honest. Well, I was going to ask, yeah, are there advantages to being a woman on a trials bike? Because I know in the hard enduro scene, we're at a disadvantage at times due to height or physical strength. Yes. So does 
those things end up being a advantage in trials or the, I what think, do you to see? To be honest, to be honest, the biggest advantage women have in trials um, is actually their temperament and the way they <laughs> approach things. And I know... Okay, yeah, interesting. Because yeah. Um, like when I do coaching, it's amazing how methodical and, and ordered women will be with their writing. And you get a lot of guys who will just kind of blow things off. And you can see you've, I've explained it to them and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, cool, I get it, whatever. But women will listen and then ask a couple of questions and they'll break it down. And I find they actually pick up the technical stuff quicker, far okay. quicker than what the guys do. That, I believe, is the biggest advantage that you have. And in trials, we don't have the same physicality. There's a, there's a level you have to rise to, but you don't have to be crazy fit. Like, mm -hmm. you can... I'm actually really unfit. I'm, I'm strong enough and fit... In, I'm going to say... Burnouts in the background. Then Kelm Scott. Kill me. Kill me. Six Kill me triple boys. one. Six triple one. Um, so you you don't have that ultimately the the physicality. Like I'm only sixty eight kilos and I'm a leaf insect. And <laughs> I, at Kosciuszko, I watched um, Wade Ibrahim come oh. past me. And is that how you say his last name? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, we just called him Wade way. the Beast. Wade the okay. Mm -hmm. Wade the Beast. He went he went past when I was helping all everyone up that thing and i dnf'd already and his back wheel slipped off the track and the seat was probably two meters down like a meter and a half down off the track and he just reached down one hand and picked the whole bike up put it yeah. on the track yeah. but that's but that was wade like he yeah and that's you're right like he, he's a big boy and, and same as perry yes you look at perry's forearms are the same size as my thigh yeah but he can do the same thing like he get, doesn't get over a rock or up a ledge yes. he just literally will just grab Lifts the bike it. and just lift it up like you, you kind of see that don't you you mm. get the really technical trials guys get to ride Solar. through and get to deal with yeah. being lightweight and then the heavy mm. strong guys that can carry it a bit more and in trials for women you don't really have that yeah um because also you're not once you've made the mistake and you've made the error that's it get out you go to the next one mm -hmm. so you don't you don't have to be so physical so it's an advantage for them not necessarily an advantage but it's not a, a barrier of entry for them into the sport yeah well, that that's, it's great to know because i think in terms of cross skilling there's been a lot said about uh, the advantages of maybe trying out some trials before getting on a dirt bike or doing them, I guess, simultaneously. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, like, do you see that? You mentioned there that there was kind of a surge of women riders where they're coming from, like, no bike experience or hard enduro, or was there any I've had themes? What I, what I tend to find is that when people come to us and they're a hard enduro rider, it's not often that they actually transfer across and become a trials rider. Um, and my general advice is always, um, if you're a hard enduro rider, don't, don't buy a trials bike to develop your skills unless you have the time to ride the trials bike. So I don't really see the right. transfer across because I'm always saying, hey, just do the right training on your enduro bike. But I think for women, going and getting a trials bike would really, really help because it is, you know, it's only 68 kilos. Yeah. It's a damn sight lighter and you can mm -hmm. reach the ground. Yeah. And you're not going to fatigue yourself as quick and you can put more effort in. But I think that, sorry, to answer your question, mm. I think the majority of people that actually, the majority of women that come into the sport are actually coming in completely raw. Um, like my wife, Jess, Karen Douglas, um, Nancy Appleby here in Perth, she's come from an enduro riding background and is probably going to, is probably more of a trials rider now than she was. Um, then like Holly Wilson and that, there's a bunch of girls that have come directly into the sport and that's probably the bigger number within the trials community here in Perth. But that's about all I can 
comment on it because I'm really only here in Perth. Yeah. yeah. So now I mean, it's definitely right. Like from a from a, a female perspective, trials is an, an awesome thing. You, you don't have the high speeds. You don't have mm. to be so physically demanding. You look at say the hard enduro girls that are in Australia at the moment, especially on the east coast. They do spend a lot of time. Cheyenne Jones would be one of the one of those ideal yes. candidates because she spent so much time practicing clutch control, balance, all yes. those kind of things like that, which really help her. Ina Coleman, things like that, who um, who are from a trials background, or spend a lot of time on just that technical skill before they go out and actually learn to beast the bike up. Amber Lock, mm. things like that, really come from that technical side of riding without having to demand on their like physical size. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, trolls is a great spot in, in the sense that you can have a go at things with that 68 kilo bike and if it goes wrong, it doesn't hurt and you, you can bail way earlier. Yeah. Like this scar in my hand in the middle of my palm, that was from a hard enduro the other week and once the bike, I hit the pipe on a rock and it pitched me left down a rock pile and it was kind of a nothing crash. But once the bike started moving, there was no... There's no way I was stopping it. Yeah. And I just went over and down the other side and landed on a sharp rock in my hand. And, and I was like, man, that just, it just hit and went and threw me. Because yeah. I'm only 68 kilos and, I'm, and I've got long legs though, so I can reach the ground. I can't imagine, um, you know, being 60 kilos and having short legs mm. and being up here on this enduro bike. It'd be crazy scary. So I'd imagine if you do get the trolls bike, it's going to remove a great deal of that fear factor. Yeah, I mean, and that's also why I'm getting my daughter into trials. Like, I've got a little Sherco mm. little bike, and yep. I'll really push her to trials because I think you want that. to get her a gas gas. Well, I've got a yeah. gas announcer. Sorry, just had to put the shade. <laughs> no, well, I bought a gas announcer, so I better get her a gas. But um, uh, <laughs> I do like, for me as well, I like the idea that she's going to learn more clutch control, brake control, things like that. Instead of yes. just most kids get transferred straight into motocross and you know, yeah. things like that. I, I like the idea will, of her going trials and flat tracks. I think those two are just awesome skills combined. Awesome skills, yeah. yeah. I will never forget, I was doing a coaching session down south in a, a, town, a place called Burracup really difficult property and the car park's a bit rough and that and there was a couple of small rocks and and the guys on the enduro bikes were trying to ride over these piles of rocks and one fella had probably three goes and failed every time and then audrey was about six at the time riding her osset and she rode around we'd sat down for lunch and she rode a bike around turned toward the rocks while everyone was watching and just went straight over it wheelied off the top and then took off and the bloke that crashed on it three times was just like you you're kidding me <laughs> Yeah. You could see he was just like, man, I just got shown up by a six-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. I just, I do believe for a kid, trials and flat track are just the two best skills they can start off with because, you know, they, they learn so much about clutch control. They learn about balance. Yes. They learn about how to brake and, and and negotiate a bike in technical stuff. And then yeah. obviously, flat track is cornering and things like that, which is once again clutch control yes. and balance. And I just those two skills combined in a kid, they just be a little ripper. They're, yeah, exactly. And they. I do believe that they become a safer rider. Yeah. Like one of the things that we, when kids are starting off, we really highly recommend people, um, like if you're starting them on a peewee or something like that, and actually this question was on Australian Enduro page just literally yesterday, um, whether or not to use training wheels. And my oh, recommend yeah. recommendation is get rid of training wheels. Don't even think of using them. Take the pegs off, duct tape them up if you've got pegs, um, and then turn the bike into a balanced bike. Yeah. But keep the bike as slow as possible mm -hmm. because a lot of parents will want to get the kid moving quickly. Once they're moving quickly, the, the gyroscopic force of the wheels is going to keep them upright. So everyone encourages them to go faster so then they don't have to balance. But you're better actually to leave them with their feet on the ground and keep them slow for longer. 
then they'll learn their balance whilst moving slow and they won't get the gyroscopic force helping them. Yeah, right. So they'll develop their balance better in those very early stages. Um, and if you develop a little bit of skill in the early years, it stays with them for life. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I've, I know um, a couple of guys in the West Series used to ride trials many years ago and they only did like one year or maybe two years of trials and they come out on their enduro bike and I'm like, yeah, I can see it. It's like one guy, I didn't even realise he was there, seen him with his helmet on, seen him riding, I'm like, he rode trials at one point. Mm. You can, it stands out really obviously. So, yeah, right, which, yeah. which I guess it does. Like anybody, those skills can really transfer with the hard enduro stuff. Like it, it, you can definitely tell us, like in, even in the top level, we talked about before, Perry, Ibrahim and Sola, the three top boys at the moment. Yeah. Sola definitely spends a lot more time because like, he's a shorter dude and he's so technical. I mean, don't yes. take that away from Perry and Ibrahim. They're beasts in their own yeah, life. Yeah. But Sola definitely is a lot more technical and, and kind of yeah. classy with the way he does, whereas Wade is just all brute force. Actually, that was something that did surprise Love me. The Wade, couple of grassroots that I rode weren't as technical as I was expecting it to be, to be mm. honest. I thought here in Perth it was actually more technical. That's um, what that's what I've, that's Sam Rogers just said recently. He said, he said yeah. yeah, it was... A huge kind of technical kind of more race yes. than the um, the grassroots stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting that because I mean that's something I found is like hard enduro. It it doesn't seem to like everyone seems to have slightly different views of what mm. it actually is, if, like what defines a race. And I'm, I mean, in all reality, it's the whole spectrum, isn't it? Yeah, it's not one thing. But um, we've got the hills on the east coast too, so we yes. do a lot more ripping hills. Whereas you guys don't have those hills, so you well, have to make it more. We tidy. have some undulations. There's uh, a bit of a. You've got a couple of bumps <laughs> in there. No, Cole's car park here in Kelmy. There's a bit oh, of a. Yeah. There's a bit of a. That's, that's just all the mounds of burnt out Commodores, mate. That's, that's what I, we don't call that a hill, mate. Just a burnt out oh. Commodores out the back. You know the fun, the sad thing is we used to try and jump all our old Sigmas off that mound that I'm talking about too. <laughs> just buy fifty dollars Sigmas, weld the diffs up, and. Go do jumps. That was only that was only last week. So yeah, I yeah, yeah. That's it. it. Totally. <laughs> well, look, it's been an hour, so let's, let's stop for a bit of a break. Probably get another coffee because you guys. Yeah, hell yeah. Bunch Banging of the room, and then we'll get into part two, and we'll probably go back to your career because we've kind of yeah. waffled on and around. But we'll get back into talking about you. How it's not like me to waffle on the side. That's the end of part one. It was sneaky. You thought it was a full episode? No, no, no. Neil has a lot of stories. So. This is the part one episode that's finished. We will have part two next week. So make sure you check that out. As I said, go check out all of Neil Price's things that we've tagged him on social media. Plus the West Australian Hard Enduro series because there is so much out there on Neil and it's just hard to keep up with what the man does. Thank you so much, Neil, for your part one episode. Stay tuned for part two. And as I've said at the start, go support the 10 Deserts for Tory. Share it, donate, whatever you can. Any support you can is massive to me. Thank you very much. Enjoy.